Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we recap the second biggest gaming award show of the year. Ours being the biggest. Obviously. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as I'm always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including announcements from last week's The Game Awards. And then on Thursday, we are originating some Nintendo Origins games. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? I'm I'm doing great. My oh. um, <clears throat> new internet obsession slash crush uh-huh. is this really big fat monkey from Tibet. Okay. What's that, his name? Uh, I think it's a, a, a she. Okay. And her name is Xing Xing. Okay. And, but, and she's, I can't stress this enough, incredibly fat, uh-huh. incredibly <laughs> yeah, cute. Apparently, okay, and this is, well, first of all, I'll just tell you what I believe to be true. And then, Patrick, I'll tell you my worries. Okay, thank okay. you. Okay, so what I believe to be true... I think this should be the format for all of our conversations <laughs> from here on out. Let me tell you what I believe to be true, and then let me tell you what my worries are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like therapy. Okay, <laughs> so this is what I believe to be true about Xing Xing. Yeah. Is that uh, her like left arm or paw is incapacitated for some reason, and that uh, she was like in danger somehow and then found refuge at this tibetan uh-huh. temple we're light on details here so <laughs> where where uh like this kindly old woman you know takes care of her and so there's lots of videos in my like instagram real suggestions mm-hmm. of xing xing drinking juice boxes being fed fruit and they're all like slowed down and you know Enya's only time is playing uh-huh. you know behind them right so a couple of things one I love this monkey mm-hmm. but two I don't know if the narrative that I'm being fed about Xing Xing is true sure it's reading a little bit like propaganda to you it's reading a little bit like propaganda it's also reading a little bit like like can I really trust what's happening here because it's not like this is a you know these videos are being fed to me from a official Xing Xing account they are like repost. You think it's a Xing Xing impersonator? <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried that I might be being catfished uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. because um, they're like all the videos are basically rips from the uh, Chinese equivalent of TikTok. Okay, and so and then people are posting. You're uh, sorry, like the person who's posting these videos is like, oh, like Xing Xing is so cute. Xing Xing, you know, like telling the story of Xing Xing. This is where I got these supposed details. Right. But I have no idea if they're true. Like, I'm not watching the originated video. Right. I'm watching some like fantasy that somebody has created. I I don't even know that Xing Xing is really Xing Xing's name. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I know exactly what you're saying. And it's like, is this monkey big and fat? Because it is just being fed juice boxes all day and like fruit when it, you know, and when it is needs its, a more balanced diet. Is really. its paw incapacitated because it has diabetes because it doesn't right. have to do anything except right. sit there? Like I don't know. I don't know these questions. I don't know that I want to know the answers. Right. I kind of well, like the fantasy of Xing Xing. That's right. I mean, and and, and that's all you'll ever really be able to engage with. First of all, wild animals are unknowable, <laughs> so if you can give up, give up on that fantasy now. 
Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in, enjoy the monkey for uh, what you're not going to affect any sort of change in this monkey's life, right? <laughs> it's true. I won't. Yeah. Um, but I cannot stress enough that it's super fat <laughs> and super cute. Uh, I love that. Um, here's another thing that you cannot affect change in the life of uh, the Sonic Forces borrowing program. It's a perfect borrowing program. It's going to persist no matter what. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail if you would like to borrow my copy of it, um, you just need to send us uh, a mailing address. So we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. I box it up. I put it in a little envelope. I send it to you. Uh, you send it back. I have paid for postage both ways. Um, you can play it in between the sending to and, and from your, your place. Um, and there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there, and that's Mark Hay. That's fine. It's just something that happens. Uh, you can play that for as long as you want and, and send it back much the same way. We have a debug. Debug! From last week's episode. So last week when we were talking about new releases, uh, we talked about Dragon Quest Treasures, a game that released just last week. And we, we in talking about it, I said that it was multi-platform. I think it's possible that I did too, right? Because I, I, I think I was like, I'm interested in the performance on other platforms. Oh, right. And then, well, either way, I think we egged each other on. Yeah, that's right. And we're just We're like, bad influences on uh, exactly. each other. Yes. And, but it turns out that that is not true. That Dragon Quest Treasures is, in fact, a Switch exclusive. Thank you to Jake from our Discord for um, letting us know. And that one of the reasons we were talking about Dragon Quest Treasures last week, or one of the things we were talking about when we talked about Dragon Quest Treasures is who was publishing it. Yes. Because Nintendo, uh, you know, very frequently in the past, when, at least in the, I would say, in the Switch generation, for sure. Dragon Quest, you know, a lot of the Dragon Quest games that have been brought over were published by Nintendo. Um, but the, uh, this one is actually published by Square Enix, which I guess is kind of even more interesting to me. Uh, just because it is a Switch exclusive. Right. That So maybe Square Enix is dedicated to making Dragon Quest a thing, you know, outside of Japan. I mean, th th that is possible. I think it's also possible that Square Enix is just a publishing machine. And they're like, I don't know, we've got all these games. They just have to go somewhere. <laughs> I mean, this year has been crazy. We've joked before that Square Enix has released like 100 games. But I think it really is like 40 or something I like mean, that. It, yeah, it, it very easily. And like... Pretty high-profile releases. The fact that Dragon Quest Treasures came out on Friday and Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII comes out on Tuesday, like the day this episode posts, is nuts to me. Yeah. Those releases are too big and too similar. Uh, you know, they're both, like, sort of action-based spinoffs of mainline, like, RPG series. Yeah, it, it is pretty pretty wild. But, yeah, if you were looking... If if we led you astray and Sorry. you were looking forward to Dragon Quest Treasure, I don't know that we've ever apologized for a debug before. This is <laughs> All the right. first. Well, no, let's take it back. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> no apology. <laughs> Just want you to know we were wrong. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So last week was big. the first big run in Splatoon 3, and this is when, um, like... The form of Salmon Run changes a little bit. So instead of being like Salmon Run specific stages, kind of the framing device for a big run is like when you um, load up the game, you get a notice that Salmonids are invading the city and the sky has become this kind of like Salmonish color. Um, and then when you go to uh, uh, Grizzco to participate in Salmon Run, uh, I, oh man, I'm totally blanking on what the name of the 
uh, stage was this time, but it's usually like a turf war stage yeah. that was being that had been retrofitted for Salmon Run. Um, and for participating, you know, you got like a special emblem for your locker, and then there's like a little bit of a competitive element to it. So within matches, if you are the number one performer in a match, then you get a bonus. Oh. But then also at the end of the big run, they um, so you you are tracking your high score throughout a big run, like how many golden eggs you as a group were able to collect. Yeah. And then at the end of it, they put it into tiers. So it was like, okay, C tier, I think was like 81. If your high was like 81. Um, and then it went up from there on, I think the number one tier was like 135 and above or something like that. So, and then those, uh, if you were in, if that, those were the high scores that you achieved, you got like a special bonus at the end of it. Okay. So uh, I really liked Big Run. It was not what I had like thought it was going to be when Big Run was first announced. Right. Like I thought it was going to be like a big kind of like takeover event and something would happen in Splatsville. Yeah. And it wasn't really that. Like it was isolated to this like Mako Park maybe. Like um, that might be what it's called. That's a debug for next week. But uh, <laughs> I, But like the music was cool. Doing Salmon Run in a uh, like a turf war stage was fun. The kind of the competitive element within your team that they added to it by trying to be the high scorer, what I thought like was a fun twist on it. Yeah. So I'm hoping. Well, there's that it also happens. just something to like having Salmon Run highlighted. Um, like we, it 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 was bad in Splatoon Two that you had to like wait for Salmon Run to be available. But when it was available, it meant that it was like a little bit of a special thing, or that there would be a little bit more focus on it. Um, but now Salmon Run is always available. If they're like, well, now it's a big run, then like just more eyes are on it, more people are thinking about it, more people want to play it. Probably easier to party up. Yeah, totally. And so I, my hope is like because Big Run was super fun, and I'm uh, you know hope it comes back frequently. But because it's not like that big of a deal, I hope that it comes back more frequently than like you know once every six months or something does that make sense yeah yeah totally well and i guess it, the game has been out for a couple months now so like um yeah we are it, like this shouldn't be the the cadence of it right like i hope it's not once a quarter no like, that's I too, that's that too it, infrequent yeah like i maybe you know maybe once every other month it just doesn't feel like special enough like you know it doesn't uh destroy Splatsville. You know what I right, mean? Right, Where it's right. like it's such a big deal that they could only do it. It's not like Fortnite when they end a season. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Which then it would be okay if it only happened like once a year. Right, exactly. How frequently does Fortnite do one of those things? I really could not tell yeah, you. Yeah, me neither. Uh and so you, you enjoyed your time with uh with Splatoon 3 the, this weekend. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't get into it at all. Um most of most of my gaming uh still is has been God of War. Oh uh-huh. Um which I I think I'm within striking distance of the end of, uh, end of it now. Uh, it's a game that I'm having a wonderful time playing, and I love it. But I just badly want it to be over mm, now. I mm-hmm. want it to release its 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 gra- grasp on me. Oh, sorry. One more thing I want yes. to say about Splatoon Three. So also last week in the Discord, I was talking about one of the things that I wish because Salmon Run is kind of like on equal footing with Turf War. At least you can play it all the time in Splatoon Three. I wish you could get the, like, gamer nicknames or, like, the nickname tags or whatever. Yeah. Uh, from playing Splat- uh, Salmon Run, but you can't. You can only get it from playing the, like, battles. From like playing the- Turf Wars? Exactly. Mm. And so uh, I was talking about that in the Discord, and somebody, uh, a few people, actually, 
recommended that because I'm really bad at turf war, but they recommended that I check out Anarchy Battles because it's like turf war with a purpose. You know, like there's a goal yeah, that sure. everybody's working towards. You have like a different way to contribute. Exactly. Hmm. And and so I I tried one of them this weekend. Uh, it was like the um one where you're like inking zones basically and you're trying to like control that zone mm-hmm. and I, I that one was like okay but i do like this idea of like having a purpose and so i think i need to just be on the lookout for when the other ones yeah are anarchy available battle so types can, like, that you're interested in yeah yeah and i i was worried with anarchy battles that it was like well i'm not very good at this so will it matter but with the uh the with just like playing with a bunch of like random people online the emotional stakes, anyways, for me were super low because if people were <laughs> cursing my name, yeah. you know, thanks yeah. to Nintendo's limit on the line, I never knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell. Was that a booyah out of anger or was that. It, it's tough because, like, sometimes you do have to booyah out of anger. Although, actually, I don't know if you can booyah on Turf War or if it's uh, something else. That's how little I play Turf War. Uh, Mark, I think we both have also been playing the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe uh, Booster Course Pack. Um, the Rock Cup and Moon Cup launched last week. Um, I love these tracks. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, these were really, really good. Can I tell you, the the tour tracks ca- still kind of like weird me out. Okay, even, it, even the ones that aren't the real cities? No, sorry, the real city ones. Yeah. I, I think uh, Sydney Harbor is still my favorite. Um, there's just something just like weird to me about seeing the Berlin Wall represented in Mario Kart. And uh, to have it filled with swamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- th- are those are those swamps or what are they, they have I, I was trying name. to remember what the ones that like it, fall ew, are. Yeah. Um but that yeah, that just feels like weird to me. <laughs> I don't know why to have that like Marioization of like this like real life history and all like the suffering right, associated right, with right. it are is it just feel uh, yeah i just i can't wrap my head around it it is, it is a bizarre it, it is a bizarre feeling um but yeah we, we talked we talked about the uh the, the tracks uh before they they came out um uh are there any like uh like revelations about the tracks like the peach gardens does a a very interesting third lap where it kind of like sends you around the the track in reverse um which i think is really cool uh but like, were were there any other like surprises like that that you were like, oh, this is uh different than I expected? I think the one that surprised me because I, um, don't really remember it was Boo Lake. Yeah, well, which, it's from the GBA. Yeah, which is from yeah. the GBA game, which uh, I owned and played and do not remember liking that much. Mm. And so it's been interesting to see how the the GBA tracks have kind of been rehabilitate rehabilitated. There you go. There, <laughs> I got there eventually. Uh, in my eyes, based on their kind of like reinvention in the booster course pass or really in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in general. Yeah. And so yeah, I liked Boo Lake a lot. Um, Maple Treeway, I thought was uh, really nicely done. The 3DS Rainbow Road, I... What is this? <laughs> what are you about to say? I, I really like it. I think I was, I think, and I'm not blaming you, but I think Sounds my like expectations were it's set like really being high. Blamed right now. So I was I was really excited for it, and I think the road itself is visually really cool. Um, but I was not that it blown does, away. It by does the like track. shimmer, Mark. I cannot believe this. <laughs> you go on the rings of Saturn and then down on the moon. I mean that part. Oh yeah, that is cool. When you go on the moon, that is that part. Well, is then very what's cool. the issue? <laughs> 
Uh, no, I mean, it, it is it is pure chaos. Um, and I, I like seeing it on a, a big screen. Um, with, like, it's such a difference from uh, playing it on 3DS to, you know, like suddenly as, as you're going through, there's like that tube part where uh, there are boost pads kind of everywhere. And at the end of it, you either get a, a ramp so that you're like flying through the next section or just like a regular boost. Um, and all of that is so messy that like, just being able to see it, see it on a full like HD screen uh, is uh, is beautiful um, and so much clearer than when we were playing it on uh, 3DS and uh, or on DS rather 3DS. I was right the first time, um, uh, but also goes back to being tricky when you start playing it in split screen. Oh, I bet it's still just not enough like real estate to figure out what's going on there. I'll, one kind of like surprise change or unannounced when they released it is that you can now customize which items appear in offline versus races and like certain other online modes. Yeah. Um. So you know, much like the way you could do it in uh, Smash Brothers, um, just to customize to be like, no, you know what? We like all of the items except we don't like the uh, the bombs in uh in Smash. You can do that here, where it's like. Okay, yeah, just turn off the blue shells or, you know, whatever you don't like. Right. Um, have you messed around with that at all? No, I, I haven't. I um, But I don't really mess around with it in Smash either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in Smash, I just, I, I love having uh, items, uh, just a bunch of crazy items that make everything go crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was a little bit where Sarah and I were playing without coins and without um, blue shells. Uh, and it's still, it's still chaotic, right? There's still... Still a bunch of red shells. There's still like bloopers. There's still lightning. Um, but uh, just taking out the one thing to like knock out the first place player, and and also eliminating coins because like, well, why? that's the most disappointing thing <laughs> when you get a coin from uh from 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 the block. Um, but so uh, in addition to this, there's also uh, it's been sort of rebalanced. Um, like how quickly some of the characters recover, uh, and it depends on which character uh like when they run into stuff um and uh lightning no longer knocks you out of the sky when you're uh, in your glider uh so it's fascinating to me that this game has been out for like a in one form or another for like a decade and they're rebalancing some of the items at this point yeah that is especially like now like halfway through the dlc yeah yeah it's mark it is rejuvenated my hope that they will someday put a, uh, a volume sliders for uh, sound effects and voices. That would be amazing. Look, I, I, I will, I'll sign my husband up for a Nintendo Switch Online account. Wow. <laughs> Just to reward. If that's what it takes, plus, plus expansion pass? <laughs> plus, well, we'll, uh, I don't, uh, yeah, you know what? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, don't back down from that, yeah, Mark. Yeah, that's right. If it happens, I absolutely will. <laughs> um. Mark, I made a discovery about uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe this weekend. Uh, Sarah was playing, and she was like, do you want to join me on the next track, the next, uh, the next circuit? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I was like, oh, I got to get the uh, Joy-Con grip from this basket of controllers that we have. Uh, and I reached in, and there's a bunch of stuff in there, including the uh, Super NES controller for the Nintendo Switch Online. And I bumped its like L or R button or something, and so it connected um before i could get to the joy-con grip and i was like oh, okay well let's just see if this works mark you can totally play mario kart 8 deluxe oh, no way with a super nintendo controller um and i was awesome with it <laughs> uh it was it was just it, it felt you know like nostalgic and fun and uh like it's a sort of a surreal experience i kind of want to go through as many games as i can and see like 
what can I play with the Super NES controller? Because it's got most, as long as you don't need uh, the triggers or the like a uh, uh, like analog controls, it's kind of it's kind of got everything. So it's got the yeah, four face I, buttons. I'm just trying to. I'm just, uh, now I feel like I I I have to try this because I'm just trying to imagine. Like, is there anything that you were missing or couldn't figure out how to do? No. And what was controlling it like without like an analog stick by just using the like? Just were you doing the... like diagonal? In, did you need to? In order to control it, or was like left, right, up, and down all you needed? I mean, you really just need left, right. Like, yeah. when are you pushing up or down? You're right. No, you're totally right. It's yeah. It was really, really straightforward and that's interesting. Wonderful. I wonder if you could do it with a N64 controller. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it, so it, it led me to this question: If I'm playing with uh, Joy Cons or with a Pro controller, can I steer the cart with the D pad? Yeah, I don't know. I've I, never I, tried. I never try. Yeah. Um. Uh. It. Yeah. It just. It was just. Uh, it was a bizarre discovery to me that like this plays just as well on like a regular SNES controller. That's kind of cool. Um. So I love that, and I'm going to be experimenting on uh basically every other game that's on my Switch. Can I play it with the uh, Super NES controller? All right, Mark. Those are the new. Re- nope. All right, Mark. <laughs> that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, Tuesday, December 13th, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is released on Switch. And this one, yes, on other platforms. This one is for sure on other platforms. Um, Reading early impressions of it, uh, seems like the Switch version of it runs uh, pretty well. Uh, So it it is not a situation where um, Switch owners beware. Uh, I am going to... Mark, this is my plan. My plan right now is to buy this on my Switch. Uh Uh-huh. Delete Persona Five <laughs> to make to make room, and then download this game. That's where I am right now. Uh, and yeah. ma- and uh, you know, it, this is a a pretty short game, um, or you know, within the like ten twelve hours uh, uh, realm. Um, so I'll I'll do that, and then I promise I'll think about getting back to Persona Ooh, Five. A strong promise. Mm-hmm. Can I ask, uh, as someone who's never played? Well, I don't think either of us have, but that's right. Uh, for Crisis Core, is it is it an RPG? It's an action RPG. Okay. So like the uh, it, it, to my understanding, that there are a lot of uh, aspects of Final Fantasy VII remakes combat that were basically lifted from Crisis Core directly. Oh, um, and I really loved Final Fantasy VII's combat, or uh, remakes combat. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, f- I'm ready for like a full-on wacky Final Fantasy VII story. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then on Thursday, December 15th, River City Girls 2 is released on Switch. And then Friday, December 16th, the cloud versions of Resident Evil games on Switch uh, we've been on kind of like a streak of releases and it comes to an end with Resident Evil 7 Biohazard Cloud Edition is uh, released on Friday. Uh, so then that that is the, the last of them. That's the last of it. So, they started with eight. So Village is out <laughs> and then they did the Village DLC uh-huh. and then two and three. Right. And now seven. And now seven. Yep. Okay. Which uh, is so interesting because seven was the first one released in Japan way back in like 2017 or 2018. Yeah, that's right. We're finally getting it right. here uh, uh, to round it all out. But yeah, yep, this is the end of it. Uh, I frustrating. I think that we will never find out how these cloud versions do. We'll ne- there'll never be a headline about it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, 
still I'm I'm just I'm just interested. I just want to know if these things are they must be doing something otherwise they wouldn't have like pushed them all out, right? Yeah, I mean this yeah, totally. This is kind of like beside the point, but it is crazy to me that both of us really love Resident Evil and have never played 7 or 8. Yeah. I feel like we should remedy that someday. Not necessarily for this podcast. Well, well, why not though? They're on a Nintendo platform. Yeah, we will just have to. We pay will like 60 not. Bucks for we it. will not play them that yeah, way though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Mark. Uh, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I'll talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we are going to be ranking some Christmas songs today. Um, from Bing Crosby's Merry Christmas record from 1945. Um, we've got the, the, the full track list here. Uh, first of all, do you, do you have much experience with this record? We kind of just went for a classic, right? Yeah, I don't have experience with this record. Sarah but... and I own the 8-track of this. It's part oh, of a, okay. that 8-track uh, Christmas decoration that we have. Um, it includes Merry Christmas for, by Bing Crosby. I think I've heard... All of these songs mm-hmm. on, in other like Christmas collections. Yes. Uh, well, and also to be clear here, we are ranking the songs in the abstract, not specifically the Bing Crosby recordings of them. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you said, oh, okay, like it was a surprise. <laughs> um, let's just go back and forth uh, listing the, the songs on here. Silent Night. Adeste Fidelis. White Christmas. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Faith of our fathers. I'll be home for Christmas. Jingle bells. Santa Claus is coming to town. Silver bells. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas in Killarney. And Mele Kaliki Maka. Okay. Uh, so do you have any of these that you're like, the, these are, what, 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 what on here are like great Christmas songs? Um. Oh, geez. It seems, it seems like Mark doesn't like any of these songs. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay. Uh, I like... It's just like you hear these songs. Okay, Silver Bells is good. I like Silver Bells. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I don't dis... Okay, Faith of Our Fathers, I had never heard until we listened to it. We've listened to it before. It is like dirgy church music. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't need it. I do, but I mean, like, I don't need it, but I also sort of feel like Adeste Fidelis, O Come All Ye Faithful, okay, is like yeah. in that same conversation. Uh, I do not like I'll Be Home for Christmas. Uh, there is, there is some pop singer who I saw a a clip of, uh, them singing this, I'll be home for Christmas, um, where she just butchers the pronunciation of the word Christmas (laughs) that it sounds like quizmoise. And Sarah and I have been saying, I'll be home for quizmoise. Okay, that makes me like it a little bit more. I don't, I'm just like, I don't know what to do with that, but it makes me so happy. Um. Can I tell you which one of these songs I absolutely love? Yes. Is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Oh, okay. Because uh, it is like a dark, a little bit sinister Christmas song. There's a bit about saving us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Like, I don't know. I think it's cool. Do you know which one uh, I do not really? I uh, Maybe I like in the abstract but never want to sit through hmm. is Silent Night. Silent Night is a slog, um, but is also like pretty, right? It's, it's pretty. I just get like itchy. 
You know what I mean? Where you're just like, like I get like, uh, I, yeah. I get restless. Yeah. When yeah, like yeah. Silent Night is happening, where it's just like, okay, we get it. You know what? Silent Night is a poor man's O Night Divine. <laughs> Not on this list. Not on this list, of Not course. Not on this list. Uh, okay, so we're identifying some of the tops. We're identifying some of the bottoms here. Uh, we haven't touched Christmas in Killarney. Right? Chris, uh, like a, a nice Irish brood. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got like a nice, like, kind of a. Uh, I don't know. What am I trying to say here? Uh, it's just very, like, um, uh, it feels festive. Yes, that's right. Um, it's very upbeat. Mm-hmm. And I like Melikalikimaka. Yeah, me too. Um, I feel weird about Bing Crosby singing it. Does that seem... Well, see, here's what I don't know is, like, I'm guessing it is not in any way, like, uh, Hawaiian. I mean, except for possibly the language. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think it is a traditional Hawaiian song. Right. Although, I don't know, Hawaiian culture is such a mishmash of uh, all, all sorts of other things that it's it's kind of hard to, to parse all of that. No matter what, I feel weird about Bing Crosby singing it. Um, what else in here haven't we touched? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I feel like that 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 one feels like a commercial to me. Here, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Overplayed. Wow. What about Santa Claus is coming to town? I don't particularly care for it. I think it's I don't think there's anything wrong with Santa Claus is coming to town. I just don't think that I ever need to hear it ever again. Uh you think it's overplayed. In what scenarios like where are you hearing it? I feel like and this is an insane thing to say uh-huh. about every like but I'm going to say it anyways. Oh. Oh. Will we oh. never know? No, I, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I just feel like no matter what, like any, it, it's overplayed in the sense that like anytime you're like, oh, like let's listen to a Christmas mix, you know it's going to be you on there. You do know it's going to be on there. And yeah. you're just like, come on, there's got to be some other Christmas song out there <laughs> other than like these 10. There's just got to be. There's just got to be. There are so many Christmas songs. Uh, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. Mark, let's get into the news. Oh, I did not cue this up. Uh, well, this will be a good time for me to give the observation that, um, uh, nope, now I even forget what the observation is. Well, Tell you what, nothing else, we did not rank things. We did not. This is what it was. <laughs> this is what it was. Uh, that we should stop trying to rank things <laughs> yes, in 433. Because we, we, we can't get about them. We, we talk about things we've never successfully ranked anything in 433. Uh, all right, Mark. Now let's get into the news. So we missed this in the news last week, but listener Mark alerted us to a recent trademark filing in Japan by Game Freak for Solitaire Horse Ride On. Oh, man. So, oh, man. So Solitaire Horse was yes. the Japanese name of, yes, mm-hmm. Pocket Card Jockey, Woo! Uh, the Nintendo 3DS Solitaire Horse Racing game. Um, and this is all we know. Is this is all we know. They uh, trademark filing in Japan, Patrick... Is it a sequel? Do you think it'll be for Switch? Do you think it's for mobile? These are all great questions. It's definitely not a 3DS sequel. <laughs> um, yeah, geez. Uh, it would be great on mobile. It would be great on Switch. Uh, the The fact that it's the subtitle is like Ride On um, makes me think that it's like an expanded version of the the original Pocket Card Jockey and not like a true sequel to mm-hmm. it. But also like... 
you control racing horses by playing discrete hands of solitaire. Uh, there's there's no improving on that. Like I don't know how you do a second one of those. Um, like do you add more solo card games? No, like it, it doesn't make any sense. I just want to. I I think this is just going to be more pocket card jockey. Uh, but yeah, the the question remains: Switch or mobile? Oh, uh, maybe both. Maybe both. I mean, this wasn't game freak, but with like Hal Laboratory, you know, we saw uh, um. Oh, what was that called? Part-time UFO. Part-time UFO that was a mobile game, mm-hmm. also came to Switch. Um, but I just feel like with Pocket Card Jockey, part of the reason it was so like uh, perfect for the 3DS is like the touchscreen. Yeah. And having to play solitaire, you can on a Switch in handheld mode, but like on your TV, you know, having to do it using like analog sticks and stuff, like yeah. not doable, but just not as like fun or intuitive. So I feel like uh, touchscreen on Switch and then mobile would be the ideal way yeah. to experience this. It's so interesting because, like, I and it's just, like, you know, how you experience the games, right? But, like, um, just now as you were, like, moving your fingers around to, like, indicate what the touchscreen functionality is. Um, and, you know, on the 3DS, you're controlling it with the stylus, right? Like, still touch, but, like, there's something a little bit more precise and, like, quick about uh, touching the screen with a stylus than with your finger. Um and like it made me realize that that in my mind at least is like a fundamental part of how I play pocket card jockey. Um, like my fingers feel like too fat and clumsy to uh, move cards around, but maybe they're not. Maybe I'll be okay. Well, yeah, and maybe yeah. Who knows? Because you got to play these hands of solitaire so fast. <laughs> well, you want that. Mark, you you gotta, want the horse to move. You want the horse to move, and if you don't play it fast enough, uh, the, the turn will burn out, and then you take the turn bad and. It's you, get, you just gotta go fast. Well, thank you, Mark, for emailing us. Yes, thank um, you, Mark. Yeah, this is definitely this is news we can use for sure. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Speak- and news we can share with everyone who listens to the show. That's too. right. Pocket Card Jockey, a great game on the 3DS, absolutely worth checking out. Um, but if that becomes like some weird arcane, maybe this is actually what it is. That um, with the uh, 3DS eShop closing down, Game Freak is like, okay, well, there's literally no way to monetize it anymore, no way to make money for it from it anymore let's put it on mobile like mm. that yeah that'd that, be that cool very well i be just hope that they don't like uh gotcha it or anything you know? yeah that'd be bad like uh um it's i just pray it doesn't become the dr mario world oh. of uh what a heartbreaker pocket card jockey i don't think we talk about it enough it's such a bummer that dr mario world uh, a is bad b is gone yeah <laughs> uh speaking of things that haven't been announced but could be someday the ESRB here in the States have rated the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster games for Switch and PlayStation 4. Reminder that the games originally released in 2021 on PC, iOS, and Android seemed like they'd be a really good fit for Switch, but uh, up to this point, we have heard nothing about nothing. them coming. Right. Uh, and this thing that we have heard here, this is just like, I mean, I guess it's it's not a leak because the ESRB have... Uh, has has uh, I, I rated these things, but like that's not an announcement from uh, Square about or Square Enix about, about anything. Um, interesting little tidbits floating about here. Um, obviously, they're uh, they're being marketed as PlayStation Four games because PlayStation Five can play uh, the backwards compatible. Um, so like that's not a surprise. Kind of a surprise that they're not on the Xbox, right? Um, what's happening there? Is what what is is the relationship between Square Enix and Xbox like weird right now? Like what's happening? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just I mean, assuming that this is real and assuming that right, it happens, right. maybe they just, just maybe they just figured or have some sort of data that we can see that like um 
Xbox players just don't care about these like legacy games. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that's a that 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 that's probable. Um, I, I think it's also possible that like uh, Square Enix just isn't like playing nice with the uh like the game pass of it all that like other third parties will uh have their games available to play for free oh interesting on game yeah, pass maybe. and square enix is always like nah these games you know like square enix games do go on sale and like they drop in price and stuff like that but one thing to point out here um is that well, as these uh pixel remasters were originally released on uh pc ios and android that they were never released as a bundle. You always had to buy them separately, and they're not cheap. Uh, the the first two games in the series are eleven ninety nine each, um, and then each of them afterwards are eighteen dollars. So like, um, you know, the, these are not premium products, but they are like products that Square Enix wants to sell to people. Um, so and you know, really make you spend like a hundred bucks to get them all. Do you think you would buy them all, or do you think that you would? Are there just certain ones that you're more excited about than others? Mm, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I mean, it's there. There are a bunch of these that I've never played, right? Uh, I've I've never played uh, two, three, or five. Um, and five, I probably should get around to at some point. Um, but you know, four and six are my babies, right? Like I love those games. Um, so I'm absolutely going to buy two of them. No, I, yeah, well, I'll probably I'll probably buy them all. <laughs> I I may skip two. Two is a notoriously bad game, um, but I've never ev- I've never I've never experienced any of it. So uh-huh. like, is it worth the like last twelve dollars? Uh, well, and like, maybe in, and maybe in this remaster, right? They fixed a lot of the issues, and so no, I don't think so. I think oh, okay. it's still, I think it's still notoriously bad. <laughs> Mario Strikers Battle League has revealed the details of the third and final update to the game. Um, Live today, actually, December 13th, Birdo and Bowser Jr. are being added as playable characters. A new stage, Urban Rooftop, and new gear, the shellfish gear, uh, are all included as well. So yeah, this ends the planned release uh, or updates for the game. Um, I don't know. This, look, having not bought it, having not played it uh other than the demo the game kind of feels like it feels in line with nintendo's um support for its other sports titles but it feels like a missed opportunity like there was a misalignment between how nintendo treated mario strikers battle league and i think what the expectations and the anticipation for battle league were yeah i mean i think that's sort of the the story for all of the uh, Mario sports games this generation, right? Like, um, and and I think like Aces, Mario Tennis Aces is probably the one that pulled it off most successfully. And even that took a lot of crap uh, on, on release um, for not having like a richer kind of story mode. Um, and just for being like kind of, uh, kind of an extremely difficult game in, in the, the single player. Um, but yeah, like, Strikers and uh, Strikers Battle League and uh, the golf one. Super Rush? Yeah, that's right. Um, both, like, uh, all just, like, kind of had these, like, weird little, like, flickering moments um, that, like, no one was too wild about. And then, like, they just sort of, like, fade away. Yeah. Um, which, you know, sort of makes me feel like Nintendo is kind of... Not that they're... It almost feels like they're checking off boxes to be like, okay, here's here's the here's the soccer game. Here's the here's the golf game. Here's the tennis game. And not like... like it doesn't seem like it's something born out of necessity. 
Yeah. Do you know what I, I mean? I, I do I do know what you mean. I feel like the sports titles have always kind of had that feeling to them. Mm-hmm. But it's just and Aces I feel like is the one that has kind of had like staying power. Yeah. Um and part of that I feel like is because they did support it for so long. I'm just so surprised that Battle League it's not even a full year of like post content support. Yeah. You know, they're basically yeah. running it out in just I don't know, like less than nine months. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I don't know. It does feel like they're and look, uh, they've all been I think they've all all of these sports titles have sold well on Switch. But yeah, I don't feel like the sports games have ever really been more than just kind of like uh not just checking the box, but you know, they've always been B tier yeah, titles. That's, that's a good point. And but it, for whatever reason, it, uh maybe it's because so much of Nintendo's uh first party software on Switch has been so strong. It's been like kind of like, oh, this is the best arguably the Mario's ever been. This is the best arguably the Zelda's ever been. Uh this is the best Smash's ever you know what I mean? Like it's all of these just yeah. like incredibly once Cart, in a lifetime crossing. Yeah, all of these yes. games. And then, you know, you have something like Battle League that Mario Strikers was, you know, it's been gone for a gener it missed the Wii U generation, but was uh on the GameCube, on the Wii, and I think people are really excited for it to come back and just like what people Wanted they wanted it to, to be and kind of I think the expectation is that it would be treated like those A tier Nintendo titles and Nintendo and Next Level Games were just they saw it as like the B tier sports title. Uh, let me ask you this: Neither of us are big sportos, right? Uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, has there ever been a uh like Mario sports game that has like captured your imagination that you're like ah when I think of a Mario sports game this is what I want them all to be? No. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. It, yeah, it's, it falls either. in that Mario Party type mm-hmm. thing where it's, again, what I consider another, like, B-tier, you know, um, n- effort where they're, I just don't think they're ever going to, like, give a Mario Party game a huge, bu- huge budget. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, just, yeah. like, it is kind of there, like you're saying, to, like, fill out the schedule. And they can be enormously successful, like, Mario Party is beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, they, never, and like, they can still be, like, fun. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to, like, kind of wrap my head around... Uh, like how many of these games are uh, meant or have always been meant to be like fun experiences for kids. Um, and like, you know, you and I uh, were both kind of like too old for, um, you know, when uh, like Mario Golf came. Like we, we, you know, we weren't we weren't really like kids anymore for, for some of that stuff. And like, you know, I, I played uh, tennis on the Game Boy. I played the uh, the Mario tennis, Mario tennis, or just tennis, whatever it is, on like the Virtual Boy. Um, and like, I had fun with those games, right? Uh, and so, like, I I don't I don't know. I, I guess what what I what I'm circling around to is that like these games don't need to be like you know genre defining experiences. I think that's how Nintendo sees them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I just feel like the for whatever reason this generation. I was gonna say this generation, but I don't think that's true. I feel like it has been uh, multiple generations of Nintendo releases sports games that are kind of light on content. Yeah, and then you know people are unhappy because they want it to be more, but it 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 just just seems like Nintendo is not at all interested. Yeah, in you know, uh, uh, really pushing the boundaries of what those games are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 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 is really what it is, is that they're like, 
we know what a we know what a, a soccer game is with Mario characters in it. Uh, so here's the soccer game with Mario characters in it. Um, and yeah, I think people just want like a, a transformative experience. And it's you know, hard to fault them for that when they charge full price for for the games. Like yeah, you're paying the same for like yeah. you know Super Rush as you would for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, ex- exactly. So like. Yeah, I, it, it all tracks to me. It all makes perfect sense that, like, Nintendo treats it this way, fans treat it this other way. Um, and it's just, it's uh, it's heartbreaking. There's a little disconnect there. Yeah. Last Thursday was the Game Awards, and Nintendo... Same day as the Cardies. <laughs> that's Interesting. right. Weird. Uh, for that, that's happened multiple years in a row. Interesting. But, yes, last Thursday was, in fact, the Game Awards. And Nintendo Games won several awards at the ceremony. Bayonetta 3 took home the award for Best Action Game. Kirby and the Forgotten Land won Best Family Game. Splatoon 3 won Best Multiplayer. And The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom won Most Anticipated Game. Uh, so, uh, Best Family Game, still a hilarious category. It's always just Nintendo games. Um, uh, and then Most Anticipated is... Uh, it's such a weird uh, thing to even like put as an award in like a like there's no other there's no other award ceremony that would do a most anticipated no the only thing the part that the thing that i map it to in my head is was this last oscar ceremony where they were like so desperate to like (laughs) we're gonna goose ratings because we're gonna get the fans involved right right. flash breaks the speed force (laughs) exactly enters the speed force i i do i feel like um uh legend of zelda tears the kingdom winning most anticipated game is like flash you know, breaking the speed force yeah, barrier. Yeah, I, I believe it's entering the speed force. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it. It it means nothing. It, you know, I, oh, people are looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, I think I I think we knew that. Nintendo also showed off new footage from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, it was a short clip introduced by Keegan Michael Key, the voice of Toad. Uh, and it's a cute clip. Uh, it's just Toad showing uh, Mario around like the bustling little Mushroom Kingdom area. Um, see a lot of, uh, f- or hear a lot of familiar music, first of all, which is very cool. Um, and then just like cute little gags. Uh, Mario's uh, getting sort of thrown around by pipes and platforms and stuff. Uh, the movie continues to not uh, stress me out with like dumb decisions. Yeah. Um, you hear a little bit of Chris Pratt doing like a, having a little Italian flair in his um uh vocalization for mario one uh this is a me thing mm. but what i uh, i am reminded of the lead up to the force awakens okay where in what way uh so for me when i saw like the first few trailers for force awakens where like nobody really talked you're like oh this looks really good and then when people started and then when they started showing clips and stuff of people talking i was like wait is this going to be bad but The Force Awakens, I ended up really loving. Like, right, I thought it was right, great. Right. Um, and so I'm not, I have no reason to think that this movie won't be fun. Like, it's shown us to be. But that is what it, like, when, when people started talking in this clip, I was like, or could this be bad? <laughs> I mean, uh, th- that is something to keep in mind always, is that trailers can be great even for bad movies. Rise of Skywalker. There you go. There, are all, there were also several game announcements of the show that were Nintendo-related. The Fire Emblem Engage expansion pass was announced. Four waves in total. The first wave launching when the game releases on January 20th. Which is so soon next now. Next year. Yeah, just a little over a month. It's which is next really month, crazy. like a month from now, yes. Uh, and then all four waves of DLC will be released by the end of next year. So the first three waves will add additional emblems, 
uh, different items and accessories. And then the fourth wave promises additional story content and new classes. So, okay. Uh, all, all of that is interesting. I'm sure it'll be uh, fun and good. Uh, I do have a complaint here that I would like to register um, and a question I would like to ask. Um, so the question first is, so the new emblems, uh, th those are like uh, effectively the characters that you summon from other games to like fight alongside you. Um, are we so divorced from like the why the characters are there that like introducing new characters doesn't also introduce new like story elements like are they really just like summons do you know what i mean yeah i do yeah i don't i don't know here's what's uh i kind of find weird about fire emblem where where i'm at with fire emblem engage yeah is we are so close and yet i feel like i know nothing about it yeah yeah and i know that they've released a couple of like trailers and they do they've released like character introductions that you can check out online like that sort of thing but i feel like ahead of three houses i knew a ton about three houses three houses is such a clear concept though like the pitch for it is students uh there there are three houses at the school and like you wage war and there's like a civil war but there's like, like a treehouse live yeah that's they, true like, that's you know, true at e3 where they like streamed in so you could actually see the mechanics and that all could be a hundred percent coming. It just feels like they're butting up against the holidays. Like, when are you going to do this? January thirty yeah, first, I mean, December thirty first. That's what a I great mean? point. Yeah. So it's like maybe the beginning of January will just be a like uh, an engaged blowout. I hope so. And maybe all the information is out there, and I just need to like research it. But it just feels like. But what a weird like you do a twice weekly Nintendo <laughs> podcast. Like you're plugged in, you know. And if you're like, oh, I don't know, I just meet, I need to meet Nintendo halfway on this. Like they're not doing the marketing job to reach you. Yeah, and so I hope player. that changes because I think like people liked Three Houses, and I would like uh uh Engage to do well. I hope yeah. it's a good game. I just feel like personally, I don't really understand. I don't know anything about this game. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, well, so I I do think that there is just like a problem with Fire Emblem games being uh, like very complicated and very dense in their like political setups um, that end up being interesting when you're playing them, but gotta be a devil to market, right? Um, but here's my complaint, Mark, um, that the protagonists of Fire Emblem Three Houses are part of this first wave of DLC, or one of these uh, three waves of DLC. Right. No, it is. It's the, it's the it's release the, day one. Okay. Um, which means that the, the three protagonists, the three, like, main super charismatic characters from the last Fire Emblem game that's, like, the best-selling Fire Emblem game ever, the reason that, like, you know, we're talking about it as, like, a successful Switch property are locked behind the season pass. I know. What is that? They know, they know what they're doing. They do know what they're mean. doing. It's, it's really evil. mean. But maybe we'll get it as part of the uh, Nintendo Switch Online Plus expansion pack. Oh, that's a that's an interesting now, point. They have not done they have not done that. They've done discrete DLCs, right? But they've never done like a full expansion pass. You know, right, like we didn't get right. it for Xenoblade Chronicles or anything. But maybe. But maybe we the will. The power yeah. of Claude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's and like that's so I've already pre-ordered my uh my I've, I've ordered like the collector's version of this. Um so I already spent like $80 on it. Does it come with a uh red and blue wig? I have no idea what it comes with. But yes, <laughs> it comes with a red and blue wig that I'm going to wear every day special edition uh, wig. As, as we record this podcast. Um yeah, I I uh I know that at some point I knew what co comes in the special edition and I was like, "No, I don't I don't care. Just uh, buy it." Um 
but yeah, just kind of a bummer then to be like, oh yeah, now I got to buy this expansion pack too, so I can play as those characters that uh, I, lo- I love so much. Well, maybe you'll love these characters more. I couldn't even really finish that. No, it's all right. Uh, Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon is coming from Platinum Games on March 17th, 2023. It, uh, quote, players take on the role of Cereza, a young apprentice witch, and start a fateful journey into a forbidden forest to gain the power to save her mother. In addition to sporting a striking and distinct storybook-inspired art style of its own, this new title also features gameplay never before seen in the Bayonetta series. Controlling both Cereza and her infernal demon partner, Cheshire, players will focus on exploration, combat, and puzzle solving to help Cereza go deeper into the forest. Uh, so sort of even looking like, I, I don't know, like a, a mix of like a Zelda and like almost a Diablo experience. I, I saw people uh, comparing it to Okami. Oh yeah, sure. That 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 tracks totally. Um, that feels more like a game I want to play than any other Bayonetta game. Yeah, this was I uh, I mean totally unexpected from my end that uh, Nintendo would be publishing this like Bayonetta spinoff from Platinum. Uh, and so quickly after Bayonetta three, Bayonetta three came out in October, right? Right. Um, and this comes out March seventeenth. Like that's five. It's less than, less than half a year later. Yeah. But kind of, I mean, interesting to see Bayonetta expand in this way, and we'll, of course, be talking more about Origins um, on Thursday. I mean, in in the abstract, this idea is very fascinating to be like, uh, explore like a prequel sort of thing. That's what we're going to be doing on Thursday. Uh, What else could that be for Nintendo? Um, But yeah, just uh, I I would love to see more. I'd love to see the things that we're going to pitch on on Thursday uh, come to fruition. Also, Guys, we've got to find, like, a different word than Origins or Legends for these types of games. Yeah, that that is true. What about Beginnings? There we go. Okay. I'm into it. What about Rise of? <laughs> <laughs> like the Rise of Gru. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, we also got a first look at Earthblade from the developers of Celeste. Um, uh, Table for one, please. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this look. Hey, Celeste. Wonderful game, loved it. Uh, a, a follow-up that is nothing to do with Celeste, but is the same developers and a lot of the same like aesthetic. I am there for it. So here's the description from the release: "Quote: You are Nevoa, an enigmatic child of fate, returning at long last to Earth in this explore action per- platformer from the creators of Celeste. Earthblade's lush pixel art world offers seamless exploration, challenging combat, and countless mysteries to pick apart." Travel the remnants of a ruined world, encounter de- denizens, both friend and foe, and piece together the Earth's fractured history. Uh, seems a little Metroidvania-y as well, just like in the little bits of gameplay that we saw. Um, beautiful pixel art. Uh, yeah, this is... I- I'm absolutely on board for this. Yeah, very exciting. Comes out in 2024 and not officially announced for Switch um, or whatever Like is next from Nintendo at that point. But Celeste was very successful on the Switch, so hopefully we will see... Um, uh, Earthblade there as well. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Patrick, a little game called Hades Two. Have I heard of it? Uh, yeah, Hades Two. Mark, I almost jumped out of my chair at this one. Yeah. So here's another uh summary from press release. Quote: As the immortal princess of the underworld, you'll explore a bigger, deeper, mythic world, vanquishing the forces of the Titan of Time, 
with the full might of Olympus behind you in a sweeping story that continually unfolds through your every setback and accomplishment. Uh, so sounds like and looks a lot like uh, original Hades, like same perspective, same sort of like comboing whatever. Um, also sort of sounds like a similar setup, right? That you're not escaping the underworld, um, but you are fighting Titans or something. Um there are uh, the the protagonist in this looks like she's got Zagreus's like two color eyes, um, so I wonder if this is like a daughter of Zagreus or like what I just I am so invested into the story of Hades um, from having poured over two hundred hours into that game and beating it multiple times um, that like I just the the gameplay of this could be bad and I'm on board uh, and it won't be bad it's super giant and it's Hades like it, it's gonna be amazing well like the first game uh, it'll go first into early access on PC and then eventually release on other platforms uh, as far as uh, like as far as the consoles go the first game was first on Switch um, but we just don't know enough at this point to right, know what the right. deal will be by the time this releases on consoles. Uh, so I've never really participated in like a, a, a beta or, you know, like early release on, um, like, uh, PC or, or anything like that. I, I like the game to be done before I, uh, before I log into it. Um, but I don't know, like Hades occupies a special place in my heart now. Like, should I? And, but also, will it will that break the spell if I'm playing like an early buggy broken version of it? Well, I think uh, I also have never done like early access before, but I think early access like it's not. Uh, I think they consider it not really like a beta, like it's not a finished sure, game, sure. but it's you know a little. Uh, I don't think you should expect a broken experience. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, so. But okay, but then then I, I still I still pose the question like should I try to participate in this or should I just wait until you know version one and uh, then just enjoy a perfect game? I could see how that could be very hard because that will be probably years away. That'll be years away, yeah. You know, and hate the first Hades was such I would say like a surprise, you know, yeah. for us who weren't tapped into that like early access right community. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I remember uh, talking to my friend Ethan about it who had participated in the. Uh, the Hades early access. Um, so when I was playing it, I was like, I love this thing. He was like, oh yeah, I messed around with that for a while. It was fun. And I was like, fun? What do you know? This is a revelatory experience, buddy. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was good. That's really funny. Well, speaking of Fire Emblem Engage, which we were doing just a little bit ago, the latest Japanese trailer and the Japanese Twitter account confirmed that the game will, will offer Amiibo support. So by scanning a Fire Emblem figure, you'll receive a costume based on that character, plus a music track from the game they appear in. And then other Amiibo are compatible with the game as well. Then scanning them will give you support items. Um, this is uh, pretty standard for uh, Fire Emblem Amiibo support, right? Like um, the uh, s scanning in like whatever rando uh, Amiibo, just giving you like an item of some kind. Kind of useless, but like, you know, if you want to do it, then you can have some extra um you know potions or whatever yeah scan that mario odyssey box yeah or a <laughs> cereal box the cereal box yeah i knew what you were saying uh, and then when you went back to correct it to say cereal i was like oh yeah i guess that wasn't specific enough yeah it's a disease uh that we both have we share this disease um the and even the uh like costumes for for characters based on the fire emblem characters that's kind of neat um but you know also the uh there are so few fire emblem amiibo uh that like and I feel like I don't have that many Fire Emblem Amiibo. I should have more Fire Emblem Amiibo. Mark, why have you let me fail on <laughs> collecting Fire Emblem Amiibo? 
Well, as Microsoft's proposed acquisition <laughs> of Activision Blizzard faces um, some regulatory hurdles, the company is has struck deals with both Nintendo and Valve that uh, amount to a 10-year commitment to bring Call of Duty to those platforms if the Activision Blizzard deal closes. Now, interesting, as Call of Duty was currently not coming to Nintendo platforms. That's right. And it hasn't for a while. Um, I guess there was one on, at least one on, one Wii, on U. Wii U. Yeah. Um, but it's been many years since they appeared on Nintendo. And part of the reason that like Call of Duty specifically is such a big part of this is that Sony has been very outs- a very outspoken opponent of the Microsoft Activision merger. And uh, one of the things that it argues is that Call of Duty is basically irreplaceable. And so if Microsoft made it exclusive to Xbox, it would constitute a monopoly and, you know, like that Sony could not compete against because it's so important to like platforms. Um, Several regulatory agencies who are reviewing the merger have also cited the potential of Call of Duty being exclusive as a concern, like as a potential reason to block the merger. So Microsoft uh, has tried to, uh, how do you say this word? Assuage. Assuage, yeah. I wrote it down, didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, those concerns by saying they intend to treat Call of Duty like Minecraft. That's like the buzz is, you know, anytime they're asked about it, anytime they talk about it, right. they're like, we want it to be like Minecraft. We want it to be like Minecraft. Uh, so entering into these 10-year deals with Nintendo and Valve is part of that strategy to get like regulators on board. Right, which, like, if that actually is the, like, tack that they plan to take with uh, something like Call of Duty is still have it available on as many platforms as possible, like, is, like, the way to counteract, uh, like, the idea of, you know, it being a monopoly. But it's also such a big merger that, like, it's monopolistic sort of anyway, right? Like... Right. So I think, so the FTC, so the Federal Trade Commission in the United States, uh, has filed suit to block the merger. They're trying to stop it from happening. Um, You know, Microsoft's argument is that they're in third place. You know, like their argument kind of is like, we are doing poorly. Sure. And so we cannot be a monopoly when we are in third place. Um, But Activision Blizzard is so big. Right. That like... It's just so big, Mark. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and Microsoft is also saying, hey, we're spending $70 billion on this, and there is no way for us, if we made it exclusive, we could never recoup our sure, investment. Sure, sure. You know, so that's that's their argument. I, um, you know, whenever a company is trying to finish an acquisition, there's no reason we should believe anything they ever say. Right. Because you see time and time again where it's like, oh, this is going to create jobs. Why on earth would we lay people off? Why? And then... The opposite happens, like, immediately oh, after yeah, no, uh, like, mergers uh, close. I mean, just, uh, like, seeing the news out of, like, uh, uh, HBO and Warner Brothers, like, today and, like, various shows uh, g- getting uh, the axe because they simply need to. Like, a merger means that you have to, like, cut expenses um, because you don't have enough revenue because uh, you just spent a ton of money um, to acquire something in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, capitalism is a little bit of a nightmare. Uh, and if if they go through with this, there are going to be some nightmare consequences. Yeah. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll just be really interesting to see what happens. It, it would be interesting if Call of Duty showed up on 
you know, like a Nintendo platform. I, I'm kind of indifferent, uh, you know, like. Oh, yeah. I'm never going to play a Call of um, Duty anyway. But, uh, but it certainly would be interesting if Call of Duty did become like Minecraft and was just available everywhere. Yeah. And what do you think the solution for that is? Is it like a scaled down? Is it the mobile version? Is it a cloud version? Like, well, that's, you know, Minecraft is the example they use, not just for how they want to treat, you know, Call of Duty, but also how it's this scalable tech platform that the, you know, uh, people can have the same shared experiences, uh, even on consoles that have very different um, performance capabilities. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like necessarily like a one-to-one to me. You look at a Minecraft, you know, Minecraft, and you look at Call of Duty, and they're trying to do very different experiences. Totally. But, but that's the model that they keep pointing to. So. Um, it th- it's always interesting to me when a uh, a because Call of Duty, there, there's a battle royale version of it, right? There that's, is. Yeah. It's very popular. Um, the, it's it's always interesting to me that like those games wouldn't be offered on like basically everything is just streaming because you always need to be connected online to be playing it anyway like that's how the game plays is over the internet um so why not make it all a streaming experience yeah maybe it's just performance and yeah. like opportunity cost maybe yeah 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 but yeah i so i i think microsoft uh intends to close the merger like by the middle of next year and uh so i think it will not be that long at this point um to see how all of this shakes out i would not be surprised at all if the merger is closed but in, but microsoft makes some concessions in doing so you sure. know they're like yeah. oh we will spin off these certain studios into its own company or allow them to be acquired yeah you know and they'll just like keep the pieces that are most important to them do you then- think they would have to give up or spin off the call of duty developer or it would be like uh, I, I, some I, part of Blizzard that gets spun off. Yeah, or... like I don't think it would be worth it to them yeah. to uh to spend seventy billion dollars <laughs> yeah. and then give away like Call of Duty. So I, I and I don't know enough about like all the studios that Activision, Blizzard, and King hold. Yeah. In order, but that th- that is my guess if I had to bet as to where this all shakes out. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be uh painfully boring as it, <laughs> as, as it all happens. And you know, especially with Microsoft like aiming to. Uh, you know, like make these uh, like promises or pledges to put these games on other platforms for for ten years. Um, uh, a A this will be a boring process, and B we won't even really see the ramifications of it for like a decade. Yeah, totally. Uh, finally, this coming weekend is the thirty first Tetris Maximus Cup Woo! in Tetris ninety nine. We have long fretted mm-hmm. that uh, these were no more. Yep, since April, I think we were, we were fretting. But uh, we have a new one. The theme is Kirby's Dream Buffet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, remember Kirby's Dream Buffet? <laughs> remember how that came out months ago and we've had Splatoon 3 since then? And uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, which did not get Yeah, any, wild. Yeah, any... Because uh, Arceus got one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyways, Dream Buffet it is. It runs from Thursday, December 15th at 11 p.m. through Monday, December 19th. At 11 p.m. Pacific time, uh, the first night of Hanukkah. Of course. And as always, score 100 points and you get to keep the theme. Um, with Dream Buffet, Tetris 99 will have four Kirby themes. Four of them. Uh, there is no other series as represented in Tetris 99 as Kirby. Uh, the so uh, the, this new theme is uh, special theme number 23. Um, the previous one, number 22, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. So, uh, interesting choices happening uh, over there on the uh, Tetris 99 World Max. But I'll never look a, a Maximus Cup, a gift Maximus Cup in the mouth. No, I'm so happy for this. Uh, Mark, will I see you in there this weekend? Yes, we'll have, to, we'll have to remind each other. Yes, we will. I'm traveling this weekend, so I'm a little worried that I'm going to miss it. But it goes all the way through till uh, Monday night. Yeah, so it's I think kind it'll of be a okay. longer one. So uh, I think they've been uh, trying to uh, give the, the Friday and Monday like on, on, uh, it's on either so side. It's been so long, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. You should follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Discord. You should get in on our Discord. We have a lot of fun in there. Uh, people correct us when we're wrong about stuff, um, and it's a great place to have fun, nice, pleasant conversations about Nintendo. Um, so email us or hit us up on Twitter. We will gladly send you an invitation. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com. Com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening.